0: I speak to you in the name of the Father, and of the Son, and of the Holy Spirit, mother to us all. Amen. What do you do when you're afraid? What do you do when your stomach drops and adrenaline rushes like fire? through your body and your armpits are suddenly wet? What do you do when you see the car crash coming, get the dreaded diagnosis? What do you do when you're at home alone and you hear an unexpected sound? What do you do when you are afraid? Fear is a funny thing and people react differently. I get quiet. I get coldly rational, refusing to get upset, though you might find me talking even more than usual. Tracy tends to swear. And then she does a lot of research. And when nations are afraid, They tend to shut down their borders, turn on minority groups, come up with lots of rules and laws to keep people safe but impinge on civil liberties, and they always turn to weapons and police military, violence and threats of violence. We need only look at what happened after 9-11 to think about what happens when we are afraid. fear is a powerful a pernicious force manipulating us to act in ways that we might not expect to do things that we might not find attractive or desirable in ourselves or others it's easy it's easy i think to look at the disciples in mark and to judge them as daft Or selfish as they seem either clueless about what Jesus is trying to teach them or they seem to care only for themselves over and over again he tells them that the last shall be first the first last that we must become like children to enter the kingdom of heaven that those who want to lead must serve that to follow him we must take up our cross and yet what is their response over and over They get mad when another who doesn't follow Jesus is healing people of demons. They try to shoo away children who are too noisy during his teaching. And every single time Jesus predicts his passion, his persecution, suffering, and death on a cross, every single time they refuse to hear him. After Peter confesses Jesus is the Messiah and Jesus shares for the first time that the Messiah must undergo suffering and be killed, Peter immediately rebukes him. Soon after, Jesus shares again that he will have to suffer and die. The disciples cannot understand what he is saying, so they, they dispute among themselves about who is the greatest. Today, We hear about James and John, sons of Zebedee, asking for security. Promise us that we can be at your right and left hand, Jesus, when you come into your kingdom. They asked this right after Jesus had invited the rich man to sell all he had, give the money to the poor, and follow him. This, they asked this right after Jesus taught that the last will be first, the first last in the kingdom of God. They asked this right after Jesus offers his third, final, and most specific passion prediction. The Son of Man will be handed over to the chief priests and scribes, and they will condemn him to death. Then they will hand him over to the Gentiles. They will mock him and spit upon him and flog him and kill him. And after three days, he will rise again. It's easy to judge the disciples as fools, hopelessly thick-headed, as these moments of seemingly purposeful misunderstanding pile up in the gospel. From the vantage point of 2,000 years and a culture in which we already know the ending, the disciples can seem relentlessly stupid or surprisingly selfish. What if, though, what if they are neither? What if the disciples are not Stupid, nor selfish, but just afraid. What if they do understand Jesus' passion predictions, what that means for him, what it means for them, and they're scared to death? For right before this scene with James and John, sandwiched between Jesus' teaching that the last shall be first and his third passion prediction, the gospel writer notes that Jesus was walking to Jerusalem and they who followed him were afraid. They who followed him were afraid. They were afraid. And who can blame them? Who can blame Peter for refusing to hear what Jesus was saying about his suffering and death? After all, isn't denial a legitimate response to fear? And when the disciples argue over who is the greatest, well, that too seems like one of the ways we respond to fear. Distracting ourselves, competing for scarce resources by being the best, the most powerful. And when James and John ask to sit at Jesus' right and left hand when he comes into his glory, aren't they just asking for security? They know that things are going to get bad, but they seem to trust that somehow Jesus will come into glory, and they want to be promised that they're going to make it there with him. Denial. Denial. Competition, seeking security, all are reasonable, if not totally admirable, responses to fear. Perhaps the disciples are not stupid. They're not selfish. No, perhaps they're just afraid. And like us, when the disciples respond out of fear, well, they get it wrong. Here, James and John seek to sit next to Jesus in his glory. They boldly claim that they can drink the cup that he will drink, that they can be baptized with the baptism that he is baptized with. But they have no idea what they're talking about. For when Jesus comes into his glory, it's not on a royal throne but a cross. And those who are seated next to him are the two thieves Seated each on their own crosses. The cup that Jesus drinks isn't the cup of blessing that he offers at the Last Supper. It's the bitter cup that he asked God to remove at Gethsemane. His baptism isn't the one for repentance of sins, but the one by the Holy Spirit which drives him into the wilderness to wrestle with Satan. His baptism is into death on a cross. In seeking security, the sons of Zebedee unknowingly ask for the very thing they fear, suffering, shame, death. They say we are able when Jesus asks if they can drink the cup, if they can be baptized with his baptism. And Jesus says, the cup that I drink, you will drink. And the baptism with which I am baptized, you will be baptized. This sounds threatening when we know what the cup, what the baptism entail. But what if the threat is not a threat, but rather a promise? A promise to them and to all of us that we will be strengthened to take up our cross, to allow ourselves to be last, to lead by serving, to count ourselves as great only if we know ourselves to be humble followers. For if we are able to follow in those ways, we will be liberated from fear. We might feel afraid, but it will not rule us, forcing into the corners of denial of the truth or competition with those who are meant to be our companions on the way or seeking security for ourselves without concern for others. Instead we learn to face those things that we fear most. Illness and death, shame and humiliation, systems of domination that seek to dehumanize us and we will follow Jesus who faced those fears challenged those fears, accepted the suffering that came. This might feel impossible now. We might feel more like the disciples preferring denial or jockeying for position, blaming others as we seek our own security. I know that's where I am most days and most of us have a little bit of the Zebedee DNA in our genes. But we are already practicing how to drink the cup whenever we remember Jesus' sacrifice and suffering, death and resurrection week in and week out at the Eucharistic table. And then we drink from his cup and we are strengthened ourselves and as a community of faith that is called to follow the one who came not to be served, but to serve. Each time we renew our baptismal promises, we are baptized again into the cross, the death of Jesus, and yet we still make big promises to resist evil, to turn over and over and over again back to God, to resist injustice, to seek and serve Christ in all persons loving our neighbors as ourselves, and we remember that we are not called to reign in glory, but to serve in humility. I don't think that we will be freed from fear, but sharing in Christ's cup, baptism, and cross frees us from responding with denial, competition, and selfishness. For we practice the courage of Jesus here, in this church, every Sunday, together. We practice his way of servanthood, his way of love. We learn to take up our cross, and by doing so, we are liberated from fear. In the name of the Father, the Son, and the Holy Spirit, amen.